You are Locked On Packers, your daily Green Bay Packers podcast, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. We said four quarters, all gas, no break. You guys did that today. Hell of a job. R-E-L-A-S. Relax. We're going to be okay. It is time. It is time. I feel like we can run the table. You are Locked On Packers, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. I am Peter Bukowski, and I cover the Packers for SB Nation and Packer Report. I cover the NFL around the internet, and you can follow me on Twitter at Peter underscore Bukowski. You can follow the podcast on Twitter at Locked On Packers. You can like us on Facebook. You can subscribe to the podcast on iTunes, on Spotify, on Google Podcasts, wherever you find podcasts, you will find Locked On Packers, the number one Packers podcast on the internet and the show for fans who know what happened. They want to know why and how. We are going to talk about the safety position today, and we're going to do that in a very specific way. I wrote earlier in the week about not being surprised. I didn't want fans to be surprised if the Packers took a nickel-covered defender early in the draft. Now, what does that mean? All right, we're going to talk about all of that. We're going to talk about the reasons, and then we're going to look at some players. This was something we did a little bit yesterday in the in the linebacker discussion, something that Blake Martinez helped us create basically organically as a topic because of his comments to the New York media. Blake Martinez's comments about the Packers not valuing the inside linebacker position told us something really we already knew about the Packers. And it doesn't mean that they are not going to take an overhang defender, someone who can play that nickel safety or that hybrid linebacker position. And there's a couple different ways they can go about it. The Packers had two critical nickel defenders last year that they have either the opportunity to replace or have not re-signed. The first is Tremont Williams. Tremont Williams played nearly three quarters of defensive snaps last year and was very, very good, particularly in coverage. So having to replace him is a tall task. If you think Shannon Sullivan is up to it, that is, I think, a reasonable position. But you're talking about an undrafted free agent, someone who was cut from Philadelphia, a place that had no cornerbacks, looked lost two seasons ago. And was 2019 a breakout? Or was it evidence that in small doses, he can be a useful player? If he's suddenly being elevated to someone who has to pay 75% of snaps, is that a tenable solution for the Packers? And why are we treating these positions, nickel corner and that safety hybrid linebacker position, why are we treating those as throwaways? The nickel cornerback position is a starting position in the modern NFL. And as I said, 75% of the snaps. Tremont Williams played 75% of the snaps. Most interior defenders don't play 75% of the snaps. So if you're one of those people who says, oh, the Packers should draft an interior defensive lineman, that guy at most is going to play 40, 45, absolute top end max, 50% of snaps. That nickel corner is going to play 75% of snaps. Can it be Josh Jackson? Can he play outside and move Jair inside? Could that be a solution? 
Either way, they don't have an answer there. There are players in this draft who are nickel defenders. They are nickel safeties. They can play in the slot. They can play deep. They can play in the box. And because corner in particular, this player, if they take someone like that, this player would be playing cornerback, and cornerback is a priority position. So from that standpoint, it wouldn't be out of the norm or the realm of possibilities for the Packers, especially with Brian Utekinst, who has shown a willingness to prioritize coverage. Now, the other part of this is that hybrid position. The guy who played next to Blake Martinez last year. And in 2019, it was a group of guys. Raven Green and Ibrahim Campbell played that role. And then when Will Redman had to play, it was more Adrian Amos who was in that role in the box. But those three guys, Green, Campbell, and Redman, they combined to play 50% of snaps last year. 50%. So they're on the field Half the time. That's how Mike Patton wants to play. So even though they don't value the inside linebacker position, they that doesn't mean they wouldn't draft someone early who's going to play a bunch of snaps and can play in the box. You'd want them to be able to play more than that. You'd want them to be able to cover tight ends in the slot, cover running backs, maybe even play a little bit deep. And there are players in the draft, who can do it. It shouldn't be surprising to us or to anyone that these are two positions currently staffed by undrafted free agents, and in the case of Tremont Williams, someone who is well past his physical prime. We think, anyway, who knows? Maybe he is just the ageless wonder. He didn't look past his prime last year, but theoretically, based on normal NFL standards, Tremont Williams should be past his prime. I don't know. I don't know what to tell you about Jamal Williams. He might be a robot. He might be an alien. But he is an undrafted free agent. And the other three guys I mentioned were either undrafted, Raven Green, or street free agents, guys who were cut and, and available, widely available to everyone, and were not signed. The Packers wanting to upgrade with a more premium pedigree talent in terms of a high draft pick would make sense, particularly in the case of one of these overhang defenders. Let's say, you know, we're going to get to the players specifically in a second, but let's say they drafted Jeremy Chin. And Chin is a big physical player. But the the skill that he has, that he that really makes him stand out is at least uh, at Southern Illinois at a, you know, a a sub-elite conference school, etc., he showed outstanding man coverage ability. He goes to the combine. He backs that up with really good testing numbers. Not really the point. The point is, let's say a player like that. Okay, give them the 50% of snaps that you would have given to Green, Campbell, etc. And also give him the 30% of snaps that B.J. Goodson played last year. Now, all of a sudden, you're talking about a guy who is on the field always. And this is not unique to Green Bay. This is not just some Mike Patton fever dream. Dion Buchanan is someone who's already been doing it. Mark Barron is someone who's already been doing it. These are converted safeties playing linebacker in the modern NFL. And those guys aren't particularly good, but that doesn't mean that you couldn't have someone be good. Those guys aren't good because they're too small. They're not good because they're not good. 
Generally speaking, having to move someone from one position to another, you're doing it because they weren't good enough at that other position. If they were really good, if Ty Montgomery had been a really good receiver, he wouldn't have been moved to running back. If Mark Barron had been a really good safety, they wouldn't have had to move him to linebacker. So if you could find someone that could play all of those spots, then now you're looking at someone who's going to be on the field 75, 80% of snaps. You can play big nickel as your base. You can play with three down linemen maybe. You can play bigger and still not give up the flexibility that those players would give you. Now, Raven Green has some nice traits. Ibrahim Campbell has some nice traits. Having someone who can play deep, allowing Adrian Amos or Darnell Savage to play more in the box or in the slot would be nice. But Will Redman, who's going to be on this team, is not the guy you want. He's a nice backup and core special teamer. The idea of getting someone with pedigree. A lot of Packer fans want a linebacker. They want a true linebacker. And I get that. Packers have Christian Kirksey. Now, that does not stop them from drafting a true linebacker. But they have someone that they feel good about, at least in the short run, at linebacker. Why not look at some of these other positions, even if it's not in the first round, if it's in the second, if it's in the third round, there are some good players, some talented players who could come in and give the Packers an infusion of talent where right now they have good enough players. They're not good. They're good enough. They're passable. And in the case of Tremont Williams, Tremont Williams was good last year, legitimately good. But if we're talking about those those overhang defenders, those box players, those safeties playing linebacker, they don't have special talent there. They don't have special pedigree. They don't have, you know, first round, second round, top 100 type players there in terms of draft talent. Getting someone like that could be the, the compromise here. It's not a linebacker. It's not a safety. They're a, a hybrid player they can cover. Maybe you feel more comfortable with Shannon Sullivan playing in the nickel if you can play nickel less because you have this other guy who can cover receivers if you need him to. That's an option here, and it's something that I think Green Bay will consider. It's fascinating to look back at it now because when I was tracking the various meetings at Indianapolis – and I saw, oh, the Packers met with Kavon Wallace, and they met with Jeremy Chin. It, those kinds of things didn't really move the needle for me because when I went, you know, I went to the ESPN site, for example, they had Wallace day three, mid to late day three. Jeremy Chin was a, a UDFA. Well, now it looks like if you want to draft Jeremy Chin, you're going to have to use a top 50 pick on him. You know, if Green Bay wants him, they're probably going to have to take him at 30 or trade down and and do that. I think Kevon Wallace is the is the same kind of deal. I think he's going to go a lot higher than people realize because he can flat out cover. So the two kinds of players we talked about at the top of the show, the two different types, there are slot corner types and there are run defender types. There, There isn't really in this draft someone who threads the needle, someone who can do all of it at, at a high level. I think the closest would be Antoine Winfield Jr. He is someone who, despite his size, and and remember, we're, we're, we're taking Isaiah Simmons off the list here because he's just not going to be available at 30. 
So guys after that. To me, Anton Winfield is the best guy. And if the Packers decided that he was going to play nickel corner, he was going to play some in the box in base, and was just going to play everywhere, you can absolutely justify taking him at 30 because he is worth that spot. He showed he is more than athletic enough. He is a playmaker on tape. And if the medicals check out and he was checked in Indy theoretically, then you feel good about it. And I have him right now as the 26th player on my board. So 30 would be more than fair. Now, a player that could also fit that mold and maybe you get on day two, Kayvon Wallace. I don't know if it's Kayvon or Kavon. I don't listen. I don't watch these players with like the TV copy, the sound on. I don't, I don't do that. So I, <laughs> sorry, I don't. I don't remember. He was not a big name at Clemson. That's part of the deal, and has not gotten a lot of hype. And so when I've mentioned him, I think I've I've gotten a lot of shrugs about it. He's really good. He's really good. 5'11", 2.06", played mostly in the slot. I was talking to Mike Renner over at Pro Football Focus about it. He said if the Packers take Wallace, he's immediately their nickel corner. Immediately their best slot corner. And that was a year after Tremont Williams was really good. So I really like Wallace. He is not just a corner. He can play safety. It's not his best thing playing deep. And he's not a box guy by any means. Not at that size. But if you can play corner... And the slot. If you are the dedicated slot and you can play deep, think of how much flexibility that gives Mike Patton. Think about where you can move guys around. Think where you can play Amos and Savage. And then you have this this other versatile cover corner piece. He's extremely athletic. He tested like a cornerback. He can move like a cornerback. He can make plays like a cornerback. And so from that standpoint, you're drafting a safety who's going to play corner, that value is there. The potential impact is there. Coverage is critical. You need that. Now, another player, maybe later in the draft, Ashton Davis. He is someone who's really just a deep safety from Cal. And I think he's he's a day two type. Could he, could he be a possibility at 62? I would be surprised if they took a true safety. He's a true deep safety. So I don't think he's someone that they would look at. Now, Terrell Burgess, this is another interesting name from Utah. Another guy I think is a day two guy. If he falls to the third round, for example, then I think Green Bay starts to look at it because 5'11", 202 from Utah played a ton in the slot, can cover, can play deep. He can come up and and run support and make tackles. I really like the fit there. So those are a couple names to look at if they wanted to go that route, if they wanted to go the sort of slot corner safety type who gives you just a lot of flexibility. And again, he's going to play 75% of snaps. Now there's this other group of players who are more in that hybrid linebacker role. And I probably should have mentioned Xavier McKinney in that first group, but he's really a do-it-all safety. I just think he's a good player. I don't think you you have to pigeonhole him. He would just give you a lot of flexibility. He's not a great cover man in the slot. It's not really what he's he's about. He's just an instinctive, intuitive player that you probably want to move around. He's a great blitzer. He can play overhang. He can play deep. He can play in the slot. You can play him a little bit of everywhere. Now, what's interesting is his fit. I don't know if the NFL is going to be as enamored with him as draft Twitter is. 
You look at all the mock drafts, he's going in the top 20 pretty consistently. Well, Bob McGinn from The Athletic previously covered the Packers for years for the Journal Sentinel. He does this scout survey every year. And so he talks to these personnel people, these evaluators in the league, and they give him their their big boards, basically. And the only safety in the top 50 was Grant Delpit from LSU. Delpit is someone who can play deep, can play in the box. I think he's best as a run defender. I think he is best playing in the box or playing deep and coming up and making tackles. He's not a deep safety who's going to roam sideline to sideline and make a bunch of interceptions and make a bunch of big plays. He can he can do that in spurts, but it's not where he is best. He's the kind of guy that I think would be better if you're going to ask him to play a more box role, have him attack downhill, be a run defender, and, and play tight ends underneath and in the middle of the field. That's where he's going to be best. He's not going to be covering receivers. He's not going to be running guys down. I don't think he has the speed for that. Now, one guy who could be the do-it-all type answer is Jeremy Chin. 6'3", 221, tested like an absolute freak. And that is where you start to go, okay. During the broadcast of the Combine, Daniel Jeremiah was talking about how you probably, you know, he was a borderline day two pick before, and now you probably need to use a top 50 pick on him. I don't know if that's true. Maybe someone will fall in love with the measurables and take him in the first. I think there's a chance you could get him in the second. I love the fit for Mike Patton because he can cover tight ends. He can cover running backs. And really, I think if you needed him to, could cover receivers. If you wanted to play some some interesting hybrid looks, he could certainly carry receivers in the middle of the field if you needed him to. The athletic tools are there. The instincts, not quite. He's still got to learn spatial awareness, still has to learn how to play in zone coverage, which is something at that spot he'd probably be asked to do a fair amount. But as an impact tackler, as just a big physical marvel in the middle of your defense, you could do a lot worse. Now, I would, I'm would i not in the, oh, well, just take him at 30 and be done with it kind of, kind of camp. But if they did that, okay, if they did it, I would get it. He's my 51st ranked player right now. I think he'll probably move up when it's all said and done. I haven't finished this this list of players, and so once I do some guys moved up, I have I have placeholder values basically in here. So uh, not to get too inside baseball with how I put these things together, but I've got a bunch of blank space and just sort of eyeball it. Oh, I think this person is about the 22nd player. Well, if I don't have someone at 19, 20, or 21, there's a blank space. Anyway... I have Chin at 51. He probably ends up in the mid-40s. So 30, not really a big stretch. This is a point I tried to make on Twitter about Ezra Cleveland. If you're an early second-round pick, you're a late first. Or being a late first is not that big a deal. And in fact, a lot of NFL teams use a designation that's really just first-second, that you're, you're a borderline player for certain types. He's not quite that for me in a vacuum, but I could see how if you're Mike Patton, you're going, this guy could change everything about how we play defense. And I could understand why it would be appealing for him. The one player I haven't mentioned is a name that I've heard a lot from Packer fans, and I don't get it. I don't get it. And and I don't – look, I know that most people – 
are not watching these games. They're not even going on YouTube where a lot of these games are and watching them. They're watching highlights or they're just reading about a player. And I am stupidly allowing myself to get pulled into these conversations on Twitter with people who frankly don't know what they're talking about. And I'm I'm not even saying I do, but at least I try to put in the work, right? My guess is most of you were not watching Lenoir Rhine. Okay, I don't you you don't even know that I that I probably said that wrong. Kyle Duggar is an interesting player because of his physical traits. Big, physical, can run, can jump. But this idea that he's going to come into the league and and become some tight end eraser, that he's like the antidote to Travis Kelsey and George Kittle. No, he's not. He's not. Remember we had that whole diatribe yesterday about instincts? Duggar doesn't have them right now. And when if you don't have feel and instincts and read and react at a D2 school, how in the hell are you going to have it in the NFL? It's just not something I think you can learn. And I would love to be wrong because he's a great story. He seems like a good kid and he's a, a marvel. Physically, he is incredible. But he's not... Great moving laterally, doesn't change directions well. I don't know if he's ever going to be able to run with someone like Travis Kelsey. Now, that's not really even a shot because Travis Kelsey is really hard to cover. But this is a guy who's talking about as, you know, an early second, third round pick. I don't see it. I don't see it. And I think there are other players that are better. They're better suited for the modern game. They're better suited for the Packers. Now, if he's there at the end of the third round and you could take a flyer on him, sure. Just because of of the physical tools and you're, you know, you're picking in the 90s, so it might as well be a fourth-round pick anyway, you could do it. And you'd be okay with it. It'd be easy to justify because of the physical tools. If you're going to pick one of those guys, the guy to do it is Chin. Chin is the player that Kyle Duggar's press clippings say he is. Chin is the upside physical freak with the ability to cover. Right now, he can cover. He can do it right now today. If if your responsibility is just go do that, that was what I loved about him. If the, if the call was blitz, man, he's firing and he's going to go take someone's heads off. If the deal is shoot this gap to make a play in the run game, he can do it. And if the deal is cover this guy, safety, on a receiver, doesn't matter. Safety on a tight end, safety on a running back, doesn't matter. If the job is cover that guy, he's going to get him covered. I know what he's good at. I don't know what Kyle Duggar is good at. So these are really your options at this point. The top 100, those are the, those are the main guys. And I think there are some good options in there. Now the question is going to be about opportunity cost. What are you giving up by not drafting an offensive tackle, a receiver, who are the prospects you're passing on if you're going to pass one of these guys? Who are the prospects you're passing on if you're going to take one of these guys? And that's where you start to wonder, okay, does it really make sense for them when they could get someone who's going to come in and in any year be a starter and, and potentially a high-impact player? Does it make sense to take one of these guys instead? I, I don't have the answer for that because I'm, I can't see their draft board. But based on how I look at these players – There is certainly a case to be made that some of these guys could come in and make a huge impact on this Packers team, not just in 2021, 2022, but in 2020, this season, they could come in and have an impact on this defense. 
I know this seems like a weird podcast to have the day that I that I write an article for Packer Report that says why why is the Packers should take a a receiver in the first round, but I think it's a conversation worth having because I, I still think it's a sneaky pick. I think it's a sneaky sleeper. If there's value there, I think Green Bay could take advantage of it. And it's someone that, look, you know where I stand if you've listened to this show for any length of time. Give me the cover player over the defensive lineman. Give me the cover player over just about any other position other than quarterback and receiver, maybe including pass rusher, and certainly for the Packers right now, including pass rusher. If you're if you're someone who can affect the passing game on defense or on offense, you're an important player in the NFL. That's why I mentioned the defensive lineman thing. If you're if you're going to draft a nickel corner or, or a safety, someone who could play 50, 60% of snaps, 70% in the case of the nickel corner, you are so much more impactful just by on-field time than a defensive lineman who's only going to play 30, 40% of snaps. And you can say, oh, well, if they get a good player, isn't Mike Patton going to play him more? No. I mean, to a degree, yeah. But this is how they want to play. That defensive lineman in the second or the third round is not going to be better than having Rashawn Gary, Zadarius Smith, and Preston Smith on the field at once with Kenny Clark. That's your best four. And you want those guys on the field as much as possible. They did it last year. They're going to do it again this year. We've seen enough of Mike Patton to know how he wants to play. It's not just the personnel. I mean, I'm, I'm sort of tired of that discussion. This is how he wants to play. And whether or not you think that's the prudent course of action is almost irrelevant because it's what they're going to do. So if you want to do that, if you want to play that way, if you want to be Mike Patton, then you have to find some better players that when you're in a game like you are against San Francisco, that you have that secondary guy. They don't. They didn't have another linebacker to go to. B.J. Goodson isn't good enough. And they didn't have that hybrid player. You know, Raven Green was not ready to go. Ibrahim Campbell is not an impact player. He's someone who is solid when everything else around him is solid. Not going to be an impact player for you. If you could get an impact player, that would have mattered. Jeremy Chin would have changed how... That San Francisco game went. Doesn't mean he would have won the game, but it would have changed. It would have been different because to have that sideline to sideline speed, that that playmaking ability, changes changes so much of what you can do defensively. And even if it's not early, I think at some point they'll find a way to get someone in there with a little bit more pedigree, someone that they feel good about. Maybe it's in a trade. Maybe, you know, Desmond King is out there, LA Chargers. Sounds like they want to move on from him. They want to trade him. Maybe that's a a flyer the Packers take. They can use a day two pick. They can get King. He can be their slot corner. He can be their punt returner. That would be a huge get for them. And then you then you can feel better about using, you know, your your first couple picks on receivers, offensive tackles. Because this defense is better, but it's not fixed. And everyone wants to to pick a receiver and offensive tackle because it's the sexy, the sexy fantasy football thing to do. The offense was was better than the defense last year, regardless of what Packers Twitter wants you to know. So I'm just saying keep an eye out for it in a couple weeks. All right, we have Chris Crocker, former NFL cornerback and guru, I would say. He's going to be on the show this week to talk about the corners in this draft, to talk about the corners on the Packers and, and see how we should be thinking about this group as we head toward the draft. So we'll get to that later in the week. Remember, you can follow me on Twitter, Peter underscore Bukowski. You can follow the podcast on Twitter at Locked on Packers. Like us on Facebook. You can subscribe to the podcast on iTunes, on Spotify, on Google Podcasts. 
wherever you find podcasts, you will find Locked On Packers. And anytime you want to hit us up on the Locked On Packers fan hotline, you can do that, 920-341-3775 to stay Locked On Packers.